Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to another edition of the Action Network podcast, NFL Wild Card Weekend Betting Edition. I am Chris Raybon. I'll be joined shortly by my guy Stucky. We'll break down all four games and the best bets for each game on the pod. Just want to remind you guys real quick, be sure to download the Action Network app to get real-time odds, live scores, and track your bets. We're going to do the six-pack a little different. This week, we have two days' worth of games, so we'll still do a six-pack with three picks each. Uh, They can be size. They can be totals. They can be whatever else for that third bet, as long as we do one side and one total. Let's get right to it. I'm welcoming Stuck, Prime Minister Degenerate Nation. Happy New Year, Stuck. What's going on? What's going on, brother? Down in Naples, Florida. Happy New Year. I actually... Got married yesterday, officially. Woo! Uh, so, Congrats, brother. Congrats um, again. Yeah, it was nothing big. We decided to do it on a whim. We were going to do it in Vegas in July, so we just kind of made it official. New Year's Eve anniversary, and uh, yeah, we'll have a celebration in Vegas. There'll be more details to come there. Uh, all listeners are, are welcome. Yeah, ready to get into the playoffs. I had a rough end of the season over the final three weeks. Last week just felt like it was torture, and no matter what you bet. I think you ended up being up 2-1. And so this, our score is 51-50. But, like, you could have swept. I mean, you had the Broncos. That was vicious. Yeah. Falcons. I mean, you had the Bucks. <laughs> I had the Bucks under. So we both lost on a pick six to some of the first play of overtime. The biggest shocking part of Sunday was the Patriots going down. I mean. Oh, my God. I your I biggest upset since 1995, all you have to do is beat the Dolphins at home to, to get a bye. And – you can't do it. I know we talked about Chiefs futures earlier. So if you, some of you got that in, I, I mean, it, enormous for them on, on something that looked like it wasn't possible at all. Um, so, yeah, I'm ready to get into the wild card weekend here. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six pack. Yeah, I'll start us off. To spice things up for the playoffs, we are going to open up the six-pack, which is normally just us picking uh, three sides and then a total later on, uh, to the essentially a whole group of bets that you could potentially pick. So the whole kind of menu here, uh, as long as we pick one side and one total, uh, we'll do it. The first pick will be worth three points. The second pick will be worth two. And the last will be worth one. And I'm going to go over... In the Viking Saints, it's currently at 49 and a half. I got it at 48 and a half. I think the Vikings are also a little undervalued here. Um, and, and I think they're undervalued based on their offense and how much they can score. So uh, on the other end, just looking at the Saints and, and what they can do, I mean, Drew Brees over these last few weeks, nearly flawless. I don't think that the Saints-Vikings have a defensive struggle in this spot. That generally isn't the case when you look at these type of spots in the postseason. Uh, Drew Brees. In the Superdome, the over is 5-2 and two in his career uh, with the Saints at home in the postseason. And then you look at, uh, of course, the indoor games in the postseason tend to lead to higher scoring affairs. You have 
24 and eight in the postseason when the total is at least 45 and a half. And the reason I, I try to break it down by uh, the actual total is if you look at totals 45 or below, it's pretty much 500 in these postseason dome overs. Uh, but the significance of 45 and a half, that's where you start to get to an above average uh, NFL score. So 45 and a half, it's 24 and eight, uh, since, you know, dating back, that's a 75% hit rate. But I just think that the, this Vikings defense isn't what it once was. We always talk about Xavier Rhodes, and he's kind of fallen off. I think the Saints will be able to do what they do with Michael Thomas. Alvin Kamara has looked better over these past few weeks. Uh, Traquan Smith coming on strong, giving them a better option, I think, than Ted Ginn at that number two receiver spot. And then Taysom Hill, he's also come on strong and giving them more at receiver uh, than Ginn as well. So I think this offense is rounding in a shape pretty well. Uh, for this time of year, and uh, I would probably take this one up to uh, up to fifty one. Yeah, th- this game. This is a really interesting game. I think I would lean with you on the over. Although I do have a couple of questions, mainly with the health of the Vikings. So, how healthy is Adam Thielen? I mean, just when he's healthy, that offense is so much more dynamic um, because it's really hard to shut down both of their top receivers, and you know their their tight ends are in play as well. And then the weird thing with Thielen is he's been playing, yeah, but not really productive, and not he doesn't look right. So why would they be playing him, though, if he – so I don't know. But it's, it's very odd to me. I mean, because, like, if they were just limiting him, why not just give him some reps in week 17? But they played him the last couple weeks, and it's, it's an injury where you can go at any time. Uh, I'll pause there. Do you have any thoughts on Thielen? Because he's important to that offense. If he's fully healthy, it's a different offense. So in that game against Green Bay, which was essentially the last one he played, uh, they rested, of course, their starters in week 17. Just watching him play, he didn't look – too out of sorts as much as Kirk Cousins just looked out of sorts dealing with that Green Bay pass rush. So, I mean, it's hard to tell because, of course, that that game, I think it was four targets and no catches for Thielen, comes on the heels of like a three-catch game in his first game back. So it could have just been a situation where tough matchup, which will happen, but it's hard to think that he wouldn't be at his healthiest point in, I would say, since he first got hurt just because they did rest him in week 17. I don't think he looked too bad in week 16. So I'm under the uh, – I'm kind of going with the assumption that he is relatively healthy. Like, I, I don't – it's hard to, to think otherwise. Um, Dalvin Cook, you know, I think he should be back as well. And, 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 you know, I think they were holding guys out for this purpose. But, you know, I, yeah, that does affect, uh, obviously, the game in a big way because Stephon Diggs, you would, you would expect him to see shadow coverage from Marshawn Lattimore. And uh, Lattimore, for the most part, uh, has shut down opposing number one receivers. He's had some rough games, so I think there is kind of a little volatility there, even with Diggs, because he's a talented guy. It, Thielen is a key, and um, I, I think it was a tough matchup for Cousins that contributed to the last game, but um, obviously hard to tell until we see him productive again, which hasn't happened in essentially three four months. The other injury concern you mentioned is Dalvin Cook. So how healthy is he? I would assume that he'll be okay. And if he is, I think that he can have a big day. And that's, I mean, that's how the Vikings, that's the focal point of their offense. And, you know, this is a Vikings offensive line that is not great at pass blocking other than Brian O'Neill at that tackle. He only gave up one sack all year, one of 10 tackles to do that. So he, he I think, can match up pretty well with Cam Jordan, um, which is a key, you know, with that Saints pass rush. But with in regards to the run, you know, the Saints were okay defending the run this year, but if you look over the last few weeks, they really didn't play anyone. And they only played Tennessee. Henry sat, and Tennessee still could have won that game. But these are the games that they play without Davenport and Rankins. And, you know, I think that they will miss both of them in this game. Um, and Cook, if, you know, if assuming he's healthy uh, behind a really good run blocking offensive line, 
I think is is going to have a big day on the ground. If Thielen is healthy, you have I think these are all ex Giants. All the ex Giants are in the, in the secondary now. Um, you have Janoris Jenkins mm-hmm. out there. Um, you know, Eli you have Apple. Eli Apple. Uh, I think PJ Williams is going to go. So there's some questions, some health questions there. But you know, it's it's a secondary that hasn't play together a ton as a whole all year, which could be a concern for the Saints. But yeah, and I agree on the Saints off on the Saints side of the ball, this is a unit that's just rolling. And when you look at the Vikings defense, in you know, there's very weak areas and very strong areas. So they their defensive ends, Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter are excellent, but they're going up against Armstead, Ramchak, who are two of the best tackles in the NFL, and I think they can take them away. Plus, you know, and this is a, a Vikings team that's top five in adjusted sack rate. They get a lot of pressure. That's what they want to do. But Breeze gets rid of the ball quicker than any quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, this is a true West Coast offense. It's a lot of short passes, efficient. So, like, that, I think that the way that the Saints operate negates what the Vikings want to do from a pressure standpoint. Now, their linebackers and safeties are excellent. Um, you know, Eric Kendricks has been one of the – and I, I believe he's healthy enough to play. He's been one of the best linebackers in the NFL. And they rank number one against tight ends. They're good against backs. And I think Kamara's getting healthier, which also helps the Saints. But, you know, taking away Cook – is something that's can do, but they're just not going to be able to cover. So they're really strong on the edge and then at linebacker and safety and coverage, but their corners are just, and mainly it's Xavier Rhodes. He's just a shell of himself. And this is a guy in his prime that could match up with Michael Thomas. He's a very physical corner that embraces coming up and playing you tight. He In two matchups with Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas had uh, five catches on 11 targets for 68 yards in two games. And, you know, so, but this is not the same Rhodes as before. I don't think Rhodes actually played um, in their last meeting. So I think on the outside, they're not, whether whoever it is, if it's, if it's Rhodes, if it's Waynes, if it's Alexander, you know, I, I don't think that these corners can match up. So the short passing attack of the Saints, I think is going to be able to move the ball. Where you can disrupt the Saints' offense, and we've only seen it a couple of times this year, is if you can get a ton of pressure right away up the middle, uh, you know, up the middle and blow up the pocket. You, if you go back to that Falcons loss when Breeze got sacked like seven times, it was you know Grady Jarrett and McKinley and all those guys. They were blowing up the, the middle of that offensive line, which is the weak area of that offensive line. But if you look at the Vikings, that's not really their strength. You know, this is a team that's, you know, if you look at some of the advanced stats, they're 25th in line yards, 25th in stuff rate. And, you know, bottom three, if you look just in the middle of the defensive line um, on, in both categories. So I don't think that they can really disrupt. They try to get their disruption on the outside, you know, with Breeze getting rid of the ball so quickly. And I just think the Saints will be able to move the ball and I think the Vikings will as well, assuming health. All right, so for my first pick, I'm going to go with an old reliable of mine and go roll with the teaser. I'm going with the Eagles, teasing them over seven. Uh, so Eagles plus seven and a half, and then the Saints down to minus two. You know, I just think that at home right now, look, this Saints, this Saints team, who I think as of right now, there's still some questions on the defense for me. How is that secondary going to come together? And how's that defensive line with some of the injuries they've had going to perform, you know, in the postseason? But this team on offense is just, I mean, what are they? I think they're averaging 35 points per game over the last six or seven. I mean, it's, and the one game they've lost is, was like 48-46 to the 49ers. So this offense is just you know, a different level. The special teams is playing really well. They're at home in one of the toughest places to play. And if you look back, the Saints really could have went to the Super Bowl the past two years. 
you know, you're talking about the uh, Minneapolis miracle when they lost that game. And then last year, they, there was a PI that they didn't call and the NFL changed the whole rule and then they didn't enforce it last week to give the Saints a bye, uh, which is very ironic. So I just can't see this team losing this game. Can I see the Vikings cover? I mean, I make it right around a touchdown, absolutely. And, and can the Vikings get in the back door? Absolutely. Can the Vikings, you know, offense score? Like we just talked about with the over, absolutely. But I just don't see the Saints losing this game. And one thing that I think will put it over the top is a coaching advantage. Uh, Zimmer's teams historically are good on the road as underdogs, but like just covering. You know, as far as winning the game, he's a very conservative coach. And, you know, in these huge games against elite teams, you can't take a conservative approach here. And Peyton is a coach that won't in the playoffs. You know, he is a guy who will run fake punts, who'll run trick plays. Um, you'll see an onside kick from him, as we saw in the Super Bowl. He's a coach that you want in the postseason. Um, if I want Zimmer to, you know, cover for me, fine. Uh, and, you know, he's going to play conservative. He's not going to maybe ruin the game for me. Um, and then on top of that, you could have cousins. You could have bad cousins who shows up. Um, you know, maybe it's a, people always say primetime cousins. Maybe it's just a pressure thing. You know, when all he knows all eyes are him. I don't know what it is, but there's going to be a lot of pressure. There's going to be a lot of noise. You, it seems like you either get bad cousins or good cousins. You can tell from the start which ones it's going to be. So there's always a risk that you get bad cousins too, but I can't see the Saints losing this game. As far as the Eagles, you know, catching over seven and a half, obviously I always love it. That's basically the reasoning behind here. But the Seahawks, they're just a fraud. We've said it all year. They're on the road here. Their defense is really bad. They also lost Kendrick. They also don't probably won't have digs. Their corners have been bad. They're, they don't get any pressure, you know, and then on the offensive side of the ball, they have injuries on the offensive line. Their running back core is depleted. Marshawn Lynch is still not up to speed, um, as you saw last week. This game should be close, come right down to the wire in Philly in a just a, a raucous environment. So I love catching over seven here with the Eagles. Um, a line I took, I took Seattle plus three small in one of the shops that I opened a new move. And, uh, but I love teasing the Eagles over here, over seven. Teasing the Saints down, I think, is key because that's a, you know, right now it's sitting at eight, seeing eight and a half in some spots. That's just a big number to cover. That's something where, um, you know, it's just the postseason these things are – you don't expect the Vikings offense to kind of just completely go away, even if they're down big. You know, you wouldn't expect them to lose by more than a score. You wouldn't really expect anybody to lose by more than a score, I think, in the postseason in general. And then, yeah, the, the, the Seahawks are in – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest, what, anything that goes down in either of those games because we've just seen so much ridiculousness involving the, the Saints and Vikings, period, and then uh, with Russell Wilson uh, in the postseason. So um, I, I do think that's the way to, to, to bet those games. If, if you're gonna if you're gonna tease anything, I think those are the two games that, that I'd look to. Is, is I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, but, I mean, and something to keep in mind with the Eagles Seahawks. I mean, the Seahawks they this is a team that can't pass block, right? It's the third worst pass block unit in the NFL by some advanced metrics. So, it, and you know, they have especially up the middle, they have injuries now. You know, Dwayne Brown, their center, and this is an Eagles defensive line that I think is going to dominate this game. It's going to dominate the front. You saw it last week against the Giants. By the way, speaking of the Giants, the last nine and seven team to win it all, which the Eagles are nine and seven, the 2011 New York Giants. But the, I mean, the Eagles do have issues as well. You know, Brandon Brooks, their star guard, he's out for the year. Lane Johnson, questionable uh, if he'll play. And then there's also Zach Ertz. It doesn't look like he's going to play. And, you know, back when these two teams played each other back in November, Seattle won 17 9. 
they were a one point favorite in that game. Um, you know, but this is a team that had, I think Penny ran for like 130 yards in that game. They had Penny and Carson, uh, in that game. You know, if you, but if you look, if you look a little deeper into the box score, this, it was a dead even game from a yards perspective. And the Eagles, I believe had lost three fumbles and threw two picks. So the, the Seahawks benefited from five turnovers in that game. Uh, but the, you know, the injuries on the offense offensive line for the Eagles are a little worrying, but the Seahawks don't really generate that much pressure. And they're just, their coverage is not great. You know, you have, and I don't care that it's going to be Ward, Robert Davis, and Deontay Burnett possibly as the um, Eagles starting receivers. The way that Wentz is playing right now, I think he's going to be able to move the ball. Boston Scott gave him a spark last week, but it looks like Miles Sanders should be able to go and he's been better uh, in the second half of the year. And, you know, Seattle wants to run the ball. And we see it constantly, but this the Eagles' strength is their their run defense, and the reason for that is Jim Schwartz's defenses. He wants to fill all the gaps with his defensive line, his four defensive linemen, and then fill the other gaps with you know other guys in the box. Um, and that's why you just can't run on the Eagles. So I don't think Seattle's going to be able to run it. Russell Wilson will get his, but he's going to be under pressure. Cox is going to be blowing up that pocket. You know, I think that the Eagles have a shot here, and especially to keep it within seven on a Seattle team that just doesn't win games by more than one possession almost ever. I think that that's a great point. And, you know, we're not going to talk about it. I don't think it's a pick, but, um, you know, I do think that the Eagles, um, because Seattle is, is, is going to try to come out and run the ball on pretty much anyone. Uh, I do like the under in, in the game, but I do want to mention, you know, you mentioned Carson Wentz and, you know, as we've done the past few weeks, we're running a new Fade Ravel promotion with our friends at Points Bet Sportsbook. And this week, our colleague Darren Ravel has taken uh, the under 270 and a half passing yards for Carson Wentz. Uh, our friends at Points Bet are boosting the odds on the over 270 and a half passing yards from minus 115 to plus 110. I, personally, I think you got to fade Ravel here and, uh, and, and take the over because I do think that uh, Carson Wentz will have some success. But if you're interested in fading Darren Ravel, just follow the link in the episode description for more details. Stuck, I mean, over 270 or under 270? Yeah, I, I'm going to say over. I mean, I'm going to get to my pick in this game, and I'll, I'll explain why. But I think yeah. Ravel loses again. We should all hope. Second pick here. So this, this one will be worth uh, two points. This, here, I'll go with the Patriots here. Four and a half point favorites at home. Listen, I get it. They, they, I, there's no explanation for what happened to them against Miami last week. Hope you didn't have them in, in any survivor pool that you were saving them all year for this or, or something like that. But uh, they just completely, uh, I, I, don't, I can't explain it other than they're human beings. And sometimes motivation just plays into it where, you know, you know, you have a, you know, a top three seed locked up and, you know, home field advantage, I'm sure it's important to, to, to coaches and, and some, some people, but player to player might not always be the priority. So um, I, that's Before they just the, stink. You know, that's fair. And so this could, this could be riskier than I think it is, but <laughs> going with them as four-and-a-half-point favorites. Brady in the postseason in Foxborough, uh, 59% against the spread. And I, and I think that this is why that Miami game will be key at some point because you do worry about the Patriots a little more, I think, when they're on the road in the postseason. But you're at home in the postseason – uh, and you're going against uh, something that I think has been kind of uh, under-talked about, but you know, Ryan Tannehill generally playing well has had a lot of negative plays. They, the Titans don't throw the ball a lot, so if you just look at his percentage of like sacks, picks, fumbles, things of that nature, essentially negative plays, it's still uh, higher than you'd like, even though uh, his, his, his bottom-line numbers have also been pretty good, his fantasy numbers. Uh, but John Ewing did a piece. It's up on ActionNetwork.com right now where he looked at NFL quarterbacks making their – 
playoff debut. And first-time quarterbacks, you know, guys that are starting in the postseason for the first time, not only 14 and 30 straight up, but 12, 31 and one against the spread going back to 2003. And I think that when you're, when you combine that, which kind of shows that, you know, number one, I think first time starting quarterbacks in the postseason, there is going to be some bias there in the sense of they're probably playing on teams that aren't quite as good as, as the other sides, but the spread should still adjust to that to some, to some degree. So when you see a 12, 31 and, in one mark, I think it does raise eyebrows. And then you kind of look at this game and this situation and it kind of is the, it plays into it perfectly where, you know, the Patriots haven't looked great all year. We know that, you know, their defense has been dominant for most of the year, but they haven't looked great on offense. Uh, they, they have struggled at times, um, you know, even down the stretch to, to, to kind of put away uh, bad teams or, or, or dominate the way they were maybe in the first couple of weeks when they still had Josh Gordon or Antonio Brown or pretty much anyone a step up from uh, Sanu at that number two receiver spot. Although I think Harry is is, is making decent progress there. Um, I don't think they'll be too upset with him. But uh, you know, this 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 is kind of what the Patriots prepare for all year, which I think explains to some degree why uh, you kind of saw the egg against Miami. You know that you know again, I never would bet a trend blindly, but um, you know, kind of seeing that 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 twelve thirty one and one mark for first time starters, and, and combining with what I know about Belichick and and, and Foxborough and what he's going to do against A.J. Brown, which I think is key because Devontae Parker and, and Matthew Friedman, shouts to my guy Friedman, we do the fantasy flex, and Corner and I were kind of not touching Devontae Parker last week, not, not against New England. And, and Parker went off. And I just cannot see Bill Belichick, you know, letting that happen again with A.J. Brown. If you shut A.J. Brown, uh, of course, you know, amazing rookie season. If, you shut, if you're able to shut him down, that changes everything, uh, you know, for Ryan Tano and really that offense because – we know we know Derrick Henry is going to be able to get four or five yard chunks. I think the Patriots. I think everyone knows that. Like, and he may even get an explosive run or two, of explosive touchdown or two. So this Titans defense is vulnerable. You know, you have Malcolm Butler, former Patriot, out. That would have been an interesting rematch. Um, but you do have Logan Ryan. I think that's a guy who you know Belichick knows, and this whole Brady knows him well. Um, I'm sure from practicing. Edelman knows him well. I think Edelman, you know, hasn't been quite himself these last couple of weeks. I don't expect. Um, really any fall off in a game like this I think Brady will target him a ton and uh, I think Harry is coming on strong enough here and I think at you know you're, you still have that that rushing attack with Sony Michelle um, Rex Burkhead James White kind of a do-it-all here I just think that you're going to see the inexperience of Tannehill show and you're going to see the inexperience of just this of just this offense heading into the postseason and this past game in particular to where the margin for error is going to be at its slimmest point that it's been all year because the Patriots are, they're going to have the advantage on special teams. They're going to have the advantage. Um, I think if it comes to, uh, you know, the defense being able to score some points or get a key play, I think it's going to be their defense. So I think at some point the Titans aren't just going to be able to turn around and hand the ball to Derrick Henry. And that's when they're at their best, you know, when they kind of get down in games, bad things start to happen for them, you know, Sometimes it's just bad luck, but that's what happens when you have to throw the ball more and you're a low-volume pass team. This is kind of a dead zone for the spread here, four and a half. Give me the Patriots, uh, feeling good about them, uh, up to, I would say, about six in in this spot. Look, I mean, from a pure numbers perspective, I make it um, around six and a half. And you you have to say, so you're getting value here based on what the Patriots, you know, in normal years, if they came out and beat the Dolphins, you know, this line probably is six, maybe seven, if they beat the Dolphins convincingly. But is the question that I have is, is there something, there has to be something wrong with this Patriots offense. I mean, 
you're talking about, and you could say, look, if they were flat or something happened, but they never lose at home to teams in their division, especially teams like the Dolphins at home in week 17 for a bye. And when you look at that game, the Dolphins have a historically bad defense. For you listening out there, name two starters on their defense for last week. You probably can't do it. Um, their secondary has been depleted. If you look at most advanced metrics, it's the worst defense in the NFL. Pass defense, rush defense. And we're talking about Tom Brady going 5 of 12 for 90 yards in the first half with a pick six against that Miami defense. You know, the second half, he went 11 of 17, but for 120 yards. There's nothing downfield. He's inaccurate. I don't know if it's his elbow or if we have to, you know, take him behind the shed and put him down and it's just his age. <laughs> there's, there's something that's completely off with the offense. And, you know, there's also, you know, they're Miss Gronk at the tight end positions, not giving him anything. The receivers have been a carousel all year. It's one of the reasons they thought, hey, we need Josh Gordon. We need Antonio Brown. Well, that didn't work out. So now, you know, you have Harry trying to come in here as a rookie. Edelman, who's been banged up. But I do expect Edelman to have a big game. That's – if you're like a prop player or fantasy, he's going against Logan Ryan, who, as you said, the Patriots know well. Logan Ryan's been one of the worst slot corners in the NFL this year. I think he's given up the most yards in coverage when in the slot. You know, that's – the Titans' weakness has been their secondary. You know, they've had a lot of injuries. Dory Jackson coming back this week should help if he's – depending on how healthy he is – but it's just been a carousel there. But I just don't know if the Patriots can take advantage. And the Patriots offense, when it's looked good this year, it's been when they can run the ball. And that's the, the strength of the Titans defense is their run defense, top 10 DVOA. They have a really good defensive line, um, especially adding Simmons into the mix. You know, it's a, it's a defense that gives a lot of looks. It's a defense that runs a ton of different schemes. It's very versatile defense that Dean Pease runs. There's a lot of familiarity with what the Patriots want to do. Um, you know, Vrabel and Pease and, you know, obviously on both sides of this. I just don't know. The weakness of the Titans is their pass defense, their corners specifically. I don't. I just don't know if the Patriots are built right now with, with the way Brady is playing to actually take advantage. That's the main question. The experience differential is huge. Just Tannehill going up for his first playoff start, going to Foxborough, you know, in the rain against – and he's, this is his first playoff start. Brady has 40 playoff starts in his career. You know, I just don't know if the Pats are, are built to – attack this Titans offense on the outside and Brady's just been so inaccurate and I think the Titans are going to bring pressure Pease is going to bring a lot of pressure they're going to load the box and they're going to dare Brady to beat him on the outside and Brady under pressure this year 36 percent completion percentage that's lowest in the NFL 36 percent quarterback rating about 50 so you know on the other side of the ball and this is what makes me kind of look to the under you know it's going to be raining and I do think yeah. that the Patriots will take away Brown and their run defense has actually been better than I thought it was going to be. They're going to load the box. And if you do look at the Tennessee offense, Brian Tannehill finishes the number one rated quarterback in the NFL this year. Yeah, no, yeah. No, let me not take anything away from Tannehill, first of all. Like, I, you know, the fact that I'm even bringing up Brian Tannehill as a factor in this game against Tom Brady. So, like, I didn't mean to take anything away from him. I just meant that. No, um, I agree with you. I'm yeah. going to agree with you here. Uh, yeah, things, like things can go well, bad. Yeah. Still, uh, he, and I want to get to this. And by the way, since he took over, the only teams that averaged more points per game, you know, the last 10 weeks were the Saints and Ravens. And since he took over, the Titans had the most explosive offense in the NFL, top two in rushing and passing explosiveness. You know, obviously you have Derrick Henry who won the rushing title. What, some, what people have to keep in mind, what's going right for this offense is their offensive line. Taylor Lewan, you know, he had, was suspended for the first four games. He settled in. Roger Saffold, they got from the Rams at guard. He settled in. Um, you know, Ben Jones is one of the top-rated centers. Um, and then you have Jack Conklin, who might be out. He was limited today, which is something to keep an eye on. But, but I do like their backup. But he's, 
you know, been playing really well as well. I think PFF has him as the sixth best right tackle. The offensive line is playing really well for, um, you know, in front of Derrick Henry, and he's able to run and break runs. But, and, and also, their red zone offense has been ridiculous. They're 75% touchdown percentage. The next highest is the Ravens at like 67. Um, but, the, but the Patriots are really good defense in the red zone. They always have been under Belichick. So I don't think that that necessarily continues here. By the way, just a, a side note, the, the ref crew is – I love this ref crew for this game. They don't call a lot of holds. Um, so that could maybe favor the Titans. They're a much more penalized team than the Patriots, but just something to keep in mind. But if I, I want to just dive into here. If you look at Tannehill, okay, so all of a sudden Tannehill's the best quarterback in the NFL and Brown is the best receiver in the NFL. Like, let's hold off on that because let's – you know, the numbers have been great and they're elite over the last 10 weeks of the year. But let's go through the schedule here. All right, so – Tannehill took over in a game where they lost, you know, he came in in a game where they lost 16, nothing, I believe, uh, against the, the Broncos, Broncos, right? Yeah. He didn't start that game. Mario started that game and he was awful, but you know, his first start was the next game. They played the chargers, not a great team. Next week, they played the box at home. They lost to the Panthers. And then the next week they beat the chiefs at home, but they had no business winning that game. Fluke after fluke after fluke in that fourth quarter. And they end up winning by three next week. They play the corpse of the Jags next week, the Colts and the Raiders, you know, then they lost to the Texans at home and they played the saints and, you know, they rested Henry. They lost, they gave up 38 points to the saints, lost 38, 28. And then they rolled the Texans who rested all their starters. So which of those games are really impressive? I mean, the chiefs win as fluky of an NFL win as it was fluky from the cover six, this run that Tannehill has been on has been awesome. But look at the opponents that he's done it against. They haven't been great. So uh, I think that the offense of the Titans is being, is getting a little, a little too much love here uh, in the market. So uh, that's what makes me look at the under here as I think it'll be a lower scoring game. I don't trust the Pats offense. It shows me every week and uh, the Titans offense probably isn't as good. And you know, you're going to get the best scheme game possible from the Patriots here to take away Brown and stack the box to take away Henry. I think the one thing about the Pats offense, and this is why I go back to emotions and and motivations kind of played into it or or lack thereof uh, in this spot is because you go back to the week before uh, the Patriots are at home. They're playing the Buffalo Bills. Uh, It's for the division. So it's kind of a, in terms of importance, I think they would have waited that game more. Uh, and, and that was week 16 going against a Buffalo uh, top six defense against in the bills. Tom Brady goes to 26 of 33 for uh, 271 yards. The, the Patriots put up a 430 plus yards of total offense and, you know, and they get the win and they're, and they're, and they're fine. And they're largely fine. And that's even with Edelman, not necessarily at his healthiest. And I just think that, you know, every time we, we, we try to, you know, sit here and make sense of what's going on with the Pats. And, and there are definitely some flaws here. Um, but, you know, that was a week before. And, you know, Brady incomplete seven balls against one of the best, better pass defenses. That's kind of what I'm expecting. You know, I, I don't expect many mistakes. I don't expect these, these kind of ugly games in the postseason when it matters from Tom Brady and, and this offense. But you can't, you tell me your eye test. There's something wrong with the Patriots right now they have an old quarterback and one good receiver. Like it's not, it's no secret. And their offensive no, line bad. isn't great. And their offensive line isn't great. Offensive you know, line it, isn't as good as years past. So they, yeah. I think they could, they'll probably find a way to win this game. Although it wouldn't shock me if they don't, but once they win this game, there are funerals in Kansas city next week. Uh, I mean, that's also been a familiar, you know, thought, you know, it's, uh, 
who knows? Like, who knows? Like, I, I never, I never count the Patriots out. I've made the mistake of doing it before. But, but I wouldn't be surprised if they also roll the Titans in this game. Like, you know, I, I don't see Tannehill having success without AJ Brown at the forefront, and I don't think that he's going to have success against Gilmore. So that, that's essentially what this bet is boiling down to for me. But yeah, I think the under for those same reasons uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. For my, uh, well, I'll let you do your third pick last because my two picks here are kind of in tandem. Um, okay. So my second pick is I'm going to go with the Eagles first half uh, plus a half. And then I'm all for my third pick. I'm actually going, I know you like the under here. I'm going with the Eagles Seahawks over 46. So these two bets are predicated on how I think this game plays out. Number one, I don't, if you go back and watch that first game, the final score was 17 to nine. So you might say, okay, 17 to nine. Why do I want to bet it over here? But if you watch that game, the Eagles number one had five turnovers. So they were able to move the ball, went through it 45 times for 256 yards. Um, You know, they had some, some success running the ball. And then, on the, you know, so they had five turnovers. They killed them. They had 350 yards of offense, it's the same as the Seahawks. The Seahawks also had 350 yards of offense. They could have had 500. Russell Wilson uncharacteristically missed about three wide open deep balls for touchdowns. That is the weakness of the Eagles defense. So what I think is going to happen, the Seahawks do this all the time. I'd hate their coaching staff for fourth down decisions, for game script decisions. But what they're going to try to come out and do is run the ball. which is so dumb here. Their team is, I think, their top three in rush attempts per game. So they're going to come out and try to establish the run, and then it's going to fail miserably. Talked about Jim Schwartz's defense. The entire goal is to stop the run. They fill the gaps. They bring men in the box. You know, go look at the Eagles' rush defense stats the last couple years. Elite. So they're not going to be able to run the ball. They're going to get behind. You know, the Eagles are going to come out. It's going to be a crazy environment. Wentz is playing at such a high level. You're going to have – Doug Peterson, again, this is a coaching mismatch in the sense that Carroll's going to play it conservative, especially early, and you're, you're going to see some trick plays. You're going to see all the stops pulled out from Peterson, uh, who's going to play this very aggressively. He's going to go for it on fourth downs. Carroll will punt it. Go look at the, I mean, this is the script of a lot of Seattle games all year. And then what's going to happen is they're going to say, shit, we can't run it. We're behind. So let's let Russell Wilson throw it 40 times, which is smart because he also can run the ball and he's going to be throwing it against a secondary that's atrocious. If you look at that Giants game last week, Daniel Jones missed a wide open touchdown in that fourth quarter that could have changed the entire game. Underthrew him by like about 10 yards. There was guys, go back and watch the tape of that Seattle Philly game. Russell Wilson missed three wide open guys deep. Um, and that's – I'll trust Russell Wilson to make those throws this time around. The Eagles' secondary is absolutely depleted. Um, you know, when they, last time they played, they had Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills were the starting corners. Mills, questionable. Darby's out. Um, you know, you have Maddox and LeBlanc are going to be out there. I mean, the secondary is bad. They're going to give up deep shots. Uh, so you're going to have Metcalf. You're going to get Lockett getting behind the defense. You're going to have Russell Wilson making plays, which is what they need to do because their offensive line isn't great. So you're going to have to have Russ create. He's going to be able to do that. He's going to get out of the pocket. He's going to make things happen downfield, buying time. Um, and the Seahawks are then going to start scoring. The Seahawks' defense is bad. I, I mean, I, this defense is just as bad across the board. They've, they're average over two takeaways per game, which is top three in the NFL, so they've been really fortunate in takeaways. Go back to the Eagles game where they had five turnovers. I don't see how that can, they can continue. Their safeties are bad. Um, they have one reliable corner. Uh, they don't get pressure. They can't cover tight ends, so even if Ertz doesn't play, 
Goddard, um, I think, can have a big day up the seam against the Seattle defensive scheme. You know, I just think that Wentz is playing at too high of a level right now, and it doesn't really matter who's playing receiver. We saw that last week. You're going to see Perkins. Maybe Ertz gives it a go, but you'll see a lot of Perkins, Goddard. Greg Ward's playing great in the slot, and Seattle doesn't have a slot corner. I think that the Eagles will be able to score. Seattle will eventually score once Wilson gets going and Seattle unleashes him. So I think it's fast start Philly, pulling out all the stops. Seattle come back late. Russell Wilson will have the ball with a shot to win late. Would it shock me if he wins? No. So all three of my bets are involved in this game this week. I have the Eagles <laughs> tease the seven and a half. I have the Eagles plus a half first half and the over 46. So you could just – if this game goes terribly, you just you, – you might – take a commanding lead here. I mean, I would love for that to happen just because all year I've just been kind of like, be careful. Don't, don't bet against Russ. Like, don't, don't do it. Like, I think, but I'm technically not betting against Russ. Yeah, you're, you're not. I, so Russ I, I, come back and win this game by, by one to seven mm-hmm. and I go home happy. I think I do agree with, with how, with, with what you're saying about where the advantages lie. I don't, I'm not as confident that it necessarily plays out that way. First of all, in regard to the Eagles receivers, and, and and don't get me wrong, Wentz is playing well right now. Um, he wasn't at, at always, but I think when you get into the postseason, that's when uh, not having Ertz at 100% hurts. I think when you get into the postseason and and you're and you're throwing eight times, nine times a game to a guy like Greg Ward, and you need a key third down conversion in the postseason, that's when you know the Greg Wards of the world don't necessarily come through. So I do think that it's still hurts the Eagles to not have Alshon, probably not Aguilar, probably not Ertz, um, not Deshaun. You know, they're, this, this is where I still think that that, you know, regardless of the quality of the defense, I, I think that that does hurt. You know, there are going to be high-pressure situations that some of these guys just simply have not been in. Um, but that being said, I, I do think that the Seahawks are going to irrationally probably try to – to run the football, this is just a type of game where even for the Eagles, I, I think one underrated uh, kind of thing that's going to play into this game is Jordan Howard is getting healthier for the Eagles and Miles Sanders, who's been uh, a big part of their offense and being able to kind of sustain without with, with all the other injuries, you know, he's banged up. Uh, I think, you know, Peterson said Howard will play more of a factor. I think in this kind of game, you know, cold weather, you know, at home, uh, Seahawks have given up in the last four games uh, eight touchdowns on the ground to running backs, two in each game. Uh, I think that the Eagles are going to try to keep this one on the ground too. I, I don't think they're going to try to. I don't. I don't think they would like to have Wentz throwing forty-five times uh, in this game. You know, regardless of wh- what we think of the Seattle defense and that Seattle defense, there are times when you kind of we kind of look at them and, and their you know individual parts, and then we kind of say this defense is going to get shredded. At the end of the day, they, they probably know that, but their, their whole scheme is a cover three, and, and they are going to be weak against tight ends and, and whatever not and in certain spots. They're playing a cover three to, to essentially take away the big plays and kind of make offenses drive up and down the field. So I think that kind of still works in a favor of, of the under. But, I mean, there are a lot of things just hist- like from a precedent standpoint, you know, from a trend standpoint, that, that do point toward the under as well. Like, if you just look at in the wild card round, especially outdoor games in the postseason, going back to 2003, 34 thir- and 13, 72% uh, toward the under. Russell Wilson, uh, when he's a road favorite, regular or postseason, uh, the under 25 and 16 uh, in the wild card round, specifically three and one. Uh, and then Doug Peterson and this Eagles team, they've tended to kind of, that. this is where their defense tends to really play well. 
um, at home. It's where it's where that you know they can they can they're kind of predicated on getting pressure without blitzing. Um, they will send blitzes as well. So um, you know, kind of the crowd can help play into that and, and disrupt um, the, the opponent's offensive line, which we know for Seattle wasn't very good. Um, so uh, this one doesn't get talked about as much, but since Doug Peterson took over for the Philadelphia Eagles um, at home, the under is twenty four and ten. Uh, 71% regular in postseason for the Eagles at home uh, toward the under. So um, they're, they're, you know, I, I think that this is, is going to be a hard fought game. I don't, I, I think that Seattle will have to hit um, big plays to kind of take it over and, and it could very well happen. I think DK Metcalf uh, is, is going to ha- have a field day out there and he could make a difference in the total um, for this game. But I do see it going under. Um, I'm a little less bullish on, on just like a, a ton of points just for kind of the way we've seen these things play out. Um, in the past, yeah, not as much to do with, with with the first game, which I do agree was just kind of a bunch of fluky things happening that, that made the score super low. But I, with the Eagles getting pressure and Seattle not being able to run, I mean, that's, that's going to force Russ to run around by time and get his receivers downfield. And that is where, that is where the Eagles are vulnerable, the weak point of the Philly defense. So I think the game script is going to allow that. And the other side, you're right. The Seattle, the one good thing they do on defense, they take away – they get a lot of takeaways, which I don't think is necessarily sustainable. But they don't give up a ton of big plays to keep everything in front of them. Um, They don't give up a ton of big runs or a ton of big passes. But that's not necessarily the Eagles' offense. You know, the Eagles don't have a star receiver they want to – into Sean Jackson or someone that they want to throw it down the field 50 yards to it's Wentz just making right now he's just in a zone making ridiculous throws finding his tight ends um, buying a little time so that's how the Eagles are moving the ball with efficient passing attack led by Wentz and then also when you get that and these what this comes down to to me is when you get down to the red zone also both teams are really good in the red zone that's because of the quarterbacks you have two quarterbacks who I trust who are playing really well against two bottom 10 defenses. And then I think that the game script is going to allow for this game to have a little a, a little more points than the total is implying. I can see your argument, but that's where I'm rolling. Gotcha. We'll see how it plays out. It's going to be very interesting with all three of your uh, – all six of your points riding on this one. Uh, for my last pick, I am going to go uh, with the – Minnesota Vikings plus eight and kind of alluded to it before. I just think it's uh, the line is off. I I get it. The Saints have been rolling. uh, But when you look at this, uh, you know, like, for example, if you look at something as simple as like uh, the simple rating system, (laughs) no pun intended, um, which essentially adjusts the team's margin of victory for, you know, their uh, strength of schedule. Uh, the, the, The Saints should be about a five, five and a half point favorite. They're about two points better. Uh, then the Vikings, and then you add in the home field, which I think for the Saints is uh, more substantial than most. Uh, so you know you could give them, you could give them three, even three and a half if you really want to, and it's about a, it, it, the spread would be about five and a half or, or so at, at best. And, and I think the Vikings kind of coming out flat that that game on prime time against the, the Packers, you know, obviously concerning. You know, Cook was out, Thielen didn't look, or Cousins really didn't look right. But uh, this is Saints team number one. They're, you know, we're in we're indoors first of all, so that 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 always helps. Um, I think you know both offenses, so I think the Vikings will play a little better. I think the the line is what it is because I think people are questioning the Vikings offense. Is essentially what I'm trying to say. Um, now there is a lot of uncertainty there, but again, I think that creates value on a line in a spot where um, you at this line at this point in the line at eight. Uh, and, and I think there's still some eight and a half available as well. You know, you're essentially just saying, hey, if they can just get like a backdoor cover, get it, get it to within a one score game at, at some point, you know, wait in the game, 
uh, that's all you need to at least push, like salvage a push. Like that, I think that's a, a, a very good value considering I make this line closer to six is like a, a fair situation considering, you know, the, the Vikings injuries or just the uncertainty regarding the Vikings injuries. But I do think Adam Thielen is going to be at his healthiest. Um, you know, I think the week off will help. Same thing for Dalvin Cook. He's, at, he's got a chance to get healthy. Uh, and, and then you look at uh, the Saints in these spots. And generally, this is what happens down the stretch for the Saints. You know, they have a little hiccup at some point in the season. We saw it this year. Uh, we give it up 48 to the 49ers, and they, they, they lost the game. I think it was, who was it, to the Falcons. Uh, just a, a, a stunning game that they lost at home to the Falcons. Um, and then they kind of got right again and started rolling. And you get to the postseason, and this has been the time where um, the Saints have been overvalued. If you look at Drew Brees, especially in these home starts in the postseason, uh, Drew Brees is 2-6 and six against the spread uh, with the Saints at home in the postseason. And – uh, that is, is the most unprofitable quarterback uh, to back of all of the quarterbacks in our Bet Labs database uh, dating back to 2003. So um, this is just a spot where I, I, I don't think it's on Breeze. I just think that, you know, he play, he, he's capable of playing so well for stretches and his team is capable of playing so well for stretches that you sometimes lose sight of the fact that they are, in fact, human and they are, in fact, vulnerable to things like bad calls or things that don't go their way. Um, and, and that I just think this, this spread is it's the widest of, of, of the wild card weekend. I just think it's too much. Uh, I think the Vikings uh, are able to cover here. And I mean, Grant, given what we've seen with these two teams, I mean, would I be surprised if they won? Not at all. Um, I, I know I, I do like this, you know, teasing the Saints down because I think the Saints should win the game. Uh, but eight points, just too many points for me. Uh, in this spot and, and, and this is another spot where just in general this is the postseason teams are evenly matched if you look uh went back in bet labs and kind of looked at the different uh, spread margins to try to see you know how it goes in the postseason it's it's a different beast from the regular season uh this has been a sweet spot to bet underdogs seven to nine and a half 29 and 14 with one push against the spread uh 67 so uh do like the viking in this spot it's more about the number um but but i do think the offense is being underlooked like I said, the Vikings are interesting because they're like they're, they have three of the top four rated safeties, three of the th- three safeties, and like the top ten graded safeties with Harris, Smith, and Waynes. Their safeties are so good. Their linebackers have been great, but their corners haven't. So I think that the Saints will be able to move the ball on the outside efficiently. What the Vikings have to do, the only question I have here is, what does that offense look like initially? It hasn't played together and hasn't played well. You know, they play that players hurt. They've had players sitting out for various reasons. If Cousins comes out and he's not good Cousins and the offense is out of rhythm, and then they have to play from behind, and then they're not relying on Cook and running it at that Saints defense, that's the only way that I could see this really getting out of hand. If not, I agree. I think that the Vikings can at least keep up, but I think the Saints ultimately pull it out. Something to note, too, on the Vikings is their special team has been a lot better this year. Dan Bailey's been, like, really good. Um, I think he's only missed one field goal all year. Um, and Colquitt at punter has been good, and he, him holding, I think, has helped a lot. They've had holding. Uh, he holds their kicks. I think that they've had issues there in the past. Uh, he's shored up that, so their special teams have been a lot better, uh, but, they, you know, they have to come out fast, and as long as Cook and Thielen are healthy, um, I think that they can. Uh, if not, and Cousins comes out and he throws a pick, or they have a couple three and outs, and they get down 10 to 14 early, that's the only way I think this could potentially turn into a blowout. I mean, to be fair, like, I think this is another one of these recency bias things because Kirk Cousins had a miserable game against Green Bay. Like, there's, there's no denying it. 16 of 31 for 122 yards, a touchdown, a pick, uh, 3.9 yards per attempt. But this season, and Thielen or not, like, this season has been – he's been good. 
Cousins has been good all year, pretty much up until that point. Um, 26 touchdowns, six picks on the year, yard per attempt at 8.1. You know, the volume was just down earlier in the year because they had some matchups where they could run the ball. Cook was fully healthy. But this has really been that 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 last game was really the the worst Cousins that we've seen all year. Even when there was kind of the drama and Adam Thielen, eh, we're not passing the ball enough. Digs, they were all mad. The Vikings, the Vikings were still having success in games. They just weren't necessarily. They had they you know they had the they blew it against Green Bay, but but they scored the last sixteen points of that game. You know it was just it was more so I think the volume that that was kind of you know worrying people with that offense and they could they come out and throw with volume and they they kind of proved that down the stretch and that was even without Steven. So, I mean, I, I, I do think it's pro- we have that kind of bad taste in our mouths uh, from Cousins from week 16, which I don't think is completely accurate. But yeah, I am interested, like you said, to see the, the, the kind of big game aspect of it um, because that is something I think you can question. And by the way, one thing to keep in mind that I would be scared about as a Viking if you bet the Vikings is the refs. I can't see – <laughs> you know, it's not like it's not like a it's not like the NFL is going to say fix this game. But it, given the atmosphere that you're going to see there on Sunday, if you're a ref, it's only human nature, knowing the history of what happened there. To like, can you imagine if they call like if there, there's anything close to a PI, it's getting called on the Vikings. Anything close. So just keep that in mind. Let's go into the best of the rest, which will be Texans Bills. So none of us liked. Uh, any plays in Texans Bills enough to get him in the six-pack stuck. I guess just general thoughts on the game and, and, and why that is and which way you'd lean if, uh, if, you're, if you're making picks on this one. When I, when I first look at this Bills offense, I mean, I think it's evolved. They're playing faster. Allen has been a little better, you know, a little more accurate. It's still not great from Allen, and you still have worries about can he go on the road here and beat a team with a much better quarterback. I do think that the Bills have a coaching edge. I love yes. their staff a lot more. Absolutely. That could come into play here as far as preparation, scheme, all of that stuff. But the quarterback edge, it's clearly with the Texans, and they are at home. But when I look at the Bills, you know, this Texans defense, it's bad. It's just not great, especially in the, in the secondary. Their run defense was good in the first half of the year. I thought it was a lot of smoke and mirrors. The last six, seven weeks of the, of the season, it's been one of the worst in the NFL. Uh, they're just getting shredded up and down. J.J. Watt. Now, yeah. Watt is back, which is the big thing. Now, I, I'm, I'm, he's like an Aaron Donald to me. Almost, he's worth a couple points to the spread. There's only a couple defenders in the NFL that you can say that about. How much do I assign to him here? First game back, it was – you know, pectoral injury that's usually season ending. I can't imagine he's fully healthy, but he will help. He definitely will help. He will draw attention and he probably will make a big play or two, but he's not going to be, I don't think at least, you know, your dominant JJ Watt that's, you know, mid season form, but he will help a little bit, but the corners are just really bad. I mean, they got a Raiders cast off. They have a Bucks cast off uh, playing corner. And, you know, you're speaking of DFS, the guy who I think can have a huge day for the Bills offense. And by the way, I think that they're, they're going to be able to run a little bit and they've pretty much said Singletary's our guy, which I think is smart. And you look at the snap counts that shows it. But Cole Beasley could yes. have an enormous day uh, against Hargreaves, who has been atrocious. I mean, he can't cover anybody and he's playing the slot for them now. Um, and the numbers are dire. So I think that that's going to be Josh Allen's security blanket, and I don't think that the Texans can stop it. And you saw, you've seen a couple huge Beasley games this year. You saw, you know, even against the Patriots, who can cover slot receivers, but the Dallas game comes to mind. Um, so you could see Beasley have a big day. On the other side of the ball, the interesting thing to me is this is the matchup between Hopkins and White. 
So the Bills defense, look, it doesn't give up anything big. So that's that's what has has me struggling with this game because the Texans offense is if you look at you know the correlation between when they're having successful pa- passing downfield and they have a lot of deep passes and you know winning and covering, it's all that's what it is. That's that's what drives their offense. It's big plays. So, so the health of Will Fuller is obviously important in that aspect. He's apparently going to give it a go. But the Bills just don't give up anything deep. I mean, this is a team that's, I think, in the – this is the third straight year they rank in the top three of deep completions allowed per game. Um, so it's about .9, less than one this year. You know, so they have two great safeties in, in Boyer and I, and they focus on not letting anything behind them. And then they have a great cornerback in Trey White, who is ranked second in the NFL and passer rating allowed, 46.3. He didn't allow a touchdown this year. He's the only cornerback in the NFL that didn't with at least 50 targets. So, and he, and he led the NFL on interceptions, I believe. So just a historically dominant year for a corner. Now, the schedule was a joke um, if you look at it. And you got to remember, this Bills team, the only team with a winning record that they beat all year was the Tennessee Titans when Mariota was starting and Santos missed four field goals and they won 14-7. That is the only team. And that Titans team is a shell of itself. That's the only team with a winning record they beat all year. So, you know, I, it's tough. I make the line a little over three, so I lean to the Texans um, at two and a half. But there's just a lot of questions here, you know, especially also the Texans' offensive line. Um, there's some injuries and it hasn't been great. But I do think ultimately what this comes down to is and why I, I do lean to the Texans is the better quarterback. And I think that they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit. You can run on the Bills. So I think they're going to be able to establish the run. I think Fuller back, assuming he's healthy, Watt back helps a little bit on the defense. All of that leads me to believe that I think the Texans probably find a way to pull this out. The one but that has me a little hesitant is the coaching mismatch. What McDermott and his staff are going to have for uh, against a team that has, you know, Bill O'Brien, who sometimes has a team that looks completely unprepared. It's a, it's a tough game to handicap, but from a pure numbers perspective, I, I do think the Texans have a bit of value, a tad bit of value uh, under three. Yeah, I mean, I lean the same way. I think that, again, I go back to that, that, that mark for, for first-time quarterbacks in the playoffs. And, you know, 12-31-1 and one against the spread, I mean, that's something that, that you really have to look at. But you, you have to say, okay, well, why? Cause, and then you kind of look at it, and it kind of plays into a situation like this. Like, I think the reason that, you know, a lot of you know, quarterbacks who maybe aren't elite at the top of the league, like every once in a while you're going to get like a Patrick Mahomes or somebody like that, but you know, a, a, a guy like Josh Allen, I think you get to the postseason with a guy like Josh Allen and you win as many games and, and kind of beat expectations as much as you do with Josh Allen because of great coaching. And, and that gets you there. But once you're there, you know, when the, quarter, like, the quarterback mismatch is that great, you know, that's when I think, you know, it, it starts to, it, it, there's only so much you can do. And I think that's why you, that, that, that kind of plays into that, that record for, for these first time quarterbacks that you get to this postseason and maybe, maybe you're, you do have a disadvantage, you know, in terms of coaching, but you're, you're going up against Deshaun Watson now and you're going up against Deshaun Watson with, with, you know, three guys that he can, you know, at, at receiver that, you know, you're, you have good corners. They have good receivers. I, I think that this game, I know a lot of total has been kind of bet up here a little bit. Um, it, it, since it opened, I think it opened at 41 and a half and it's up to 42 and a half. I've seen 43 at spots. Uh, you know, a lot of people kind of talking about these, these overs and in the, in the indoors. And I think that might be contributing to it. But again, 
that really all is when you're talking about two teams that are already would kind of combine to, to, to be an above average uh, NFL final score, which is usually in that, in that 45 and a half range. And, and that's not the case with these two teams. So I think if this, this thing continues to get bet up, you know, if it hits 43, if it hits 44, definitely, if it hits 43, I think even um, I, I'm probably going to look at, look at the under and, and try to see what the best line I can get because uh, this is a spot. I mean, the Bills in general, we, we know that McDermott, and this is one of the ways McDermott kind of tries to, to keep these things close. Um, you know, they're going to, they're going to play good defense. They're going to, they're, they're not going to, they're going to, they're not going to be overly aggressive um, in, in terms of what they do. You know, Josh Allen may be overly aggressive. It could, it could cost him. It hasn't as much lately. He's kind of reeled it in, but um, when, when they're a road underdog, the under is, is 10 and one uh, just, just missed for the first time all year in, uh, I think it was the Patriots game. Yeah. Right. So, um, this is something where we've seen, you know, the Texans have been kind of the, in this, for, they've been a team that they're, they're not necessarily, um, lighting it up or, or, or anything when they're at home either. Like when they're at home favorite under Bill O'Brien, 23 and 14 toward the under as well, um, four and two this season. So, you know, this is a defense that plays better at home. Watt back is is big. I think Beasley will be a key uh, just for the Bills to kind of stay in this game. Uh, and, and I think he will be able to kind of move the chains uh, for them. The Texans are number 32 in DVOA over the middle. So Beasley, I mean, maybe a guy like Dawson Knox has like an unexpected big game or something like that. I think he's sneaky in DFS or, or, or betting the over on his, his prop. But um, I think it'll be just a one of those hard-fought games where the Bills' coaching advantage will keep them in it. But yeah, I, I took I already took the Texans at, at two and a half, uh, liked them three and under, and uh, probably looking to, to bet that under uh, as the line if, if the line continues to increase as we get later in the week. If you know if a guy like Fuller is like yeah he's he's good to go and, and things like of that nature, I think I think the over will tick up leading up to kickoff either way. Um, so, so that's what I'm kind of looking to do here. Is, uh, that's, that, that's my general feelings on the game. I think it's, it's going to be a close one. I think it's going to be a harder fraught one, and that tends to lead a little under. All right, let's close it out with our Moneyline Underdog Parlay segment. And for this week, I mean, I know it's not necessarily like a, it's, there's only really four underdogs here. So um, just, I guess, general feel, like favorite underdog. I think I know already where you're going with this, but uh, which underdog – you like the most well I've already done enough Eagles so I'm going to go with the Titans because I think that it's it seems like either New England is is going to be able to move the ball and then Brady is right and ten the moment is too big for Tannehill and the, the Patriots roll or there are real issues here and Tennessee wins this game um like I, don't, I just if there are these issues that I'm seeing on paper are real I think that Tennessee could win this game but there's a chance that New England blows them out um, as we've seen in the past. So I'll throw out the Titans. Okay. I mean, yeah, I like if it wasn't in Foxborough, I think I, th- I would, I think I would like that pick a lot more. I, I don't see it happening in Foxborough could be wrong, but I, I'm going to go with the Vikings. Number one, I think just from a value perspective, it kind of the same reason, you know, you, you look at the Patriots and, you know, on paper, they kind of look infallible and then they, kind of stumble same, same thing with the saints you know they look they can look good for so many so long we've seen it happen especially in these playoffs with the vikings in particular um you know just a few things in the game few breaks go the vikings way and next thing you know you're looking up and, and the saints are going home so i think you're getting a, a lot of value in, in terms of the fact that the spread is already off with with, with, the, with the saints vikings as we talked about i think we both agree that um it should probably be closer to six and that would then, you know, change the money line. The money line is, is also inflated. 
um, you know, going along with that spread. So I think you're getting value there already. And then on top of that, you're just, you're getting the, the, uh, the best odds of all the money lines still on the, on, on the slate. And listen, I, I think this is a spot where anything can happen. I don't, I don't, do I think the Vikings, like, do I think it's a better than 50% chance? Obviously not, but talking about money line value here. Uh, so give me the, uh, give me, the, give me the best odds. I would be nervous if I was a ref for Sunday. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, man, yeah. That, it's it's going to be a crazy environment. Like, I think the, the best thing for the Saints would be if they were able to kind of just jump out to lead and, 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 you know, play from ahead the whole game and not really have to worry about it. Because if it's one of those, like, back and forth things, I think it's going to just be in everyone's minds. And, you know, bad things tend to happen for the Saints when, when it's too close for comfort. So, uh, should be an interesting slate. And speaking of the Patriots, today's coach's pep talk – comes to us via the 2000 film, The Patriot, and going to dedicate this to the Patriots. They have to get back to what they're doing. Uh, and if they do, I think they can beat the Titans in a major way. I, I think that this could be a competitive game, but the Patriots, even with the problem they've had down the stretch on offense, I think they can blow out the Titans. They have to get back to it. It's in Foxborough. That's what I'm looking for. Already took the pats. Don't disappoint me, guys. Half the men in this church, including you, are as ardent patriots as I. Will you now, when you are needed most, stop at only words? Is that the sort of men you are? I ask only that you act upon the beliefs of which you have so strongly spoken and in which you so strongly believe. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll be back next week to break, do the same breakdown for the uh, divisional round. Uh, we, we have, of course, the, the fantasy flex pod and all that. In the meantime, uh, Stuck, what are you, are you doing? Are you, what's going on with college uh, for this next uh, week? Yeah, we'll have a college pod out for the weekend bowls um, that'll be out on Friday. And, uh, and then we will have one. Details TBD about the national title. We're definitely going to have a live show um, in Vegas on that Monday. We might also do a podcast ahead of the weekend. So stay tuned to the show. We'll, we'll have more on that in the coming days. Absolutely. And of course, be sure to download the Action Network app where you can get live box scores, real-time odds, and track all the bets that you make. Of course, you can follow us and all the Action Network experts on the app. Stucky is at Stucky2. I am at Chris Raybon. You can also follow Stuck and I on Twitter at those same handles. Good luck this weekend. Let's get this money. Go Pack Go. Cheers. We're finished talking.